right, well, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? I, I tell you, um, team, you guys just led us in some amazing worship. I, I, every now and then, I'm, I'm listening to our band lead worship, and I feel like the Lord is speaking directly to me. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It happens to, happened to me this morning, and uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, team. You guys are amazing. Um, uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm very, very glad you all are here today. We're in a series called The Four Fears. Last week, we talked about the fear of failure is what stops us from doing what God wants us to do. Uh, today, we're talking about the fear of pain, the fear of discomfort and pain. Um, and that is, going, that is probably one of the biggest things that will keep you and keep me from doing the great thing that God has called us to do. Um, before we get into that, though, um, I wanted to let you guys know, start of a new year, what we're, uh, today is, is the uh, launch of our community groups. Community groups are going to start meeting again. And those of you guys that don't know what a community group is or you're not in one, um, what we expect here at Catalyst is, is, is pretty simple. Um, came, came to, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the club here in Nicholsville, and, um, and I was uh, privy to a meeting where the head rotary guy, the, 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 the big wig, um, came in and told us that we, as a rotary club, weren't getting it done. So we needed to go to more conferences and go to more things and do this and that. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I work full time. I've got kids. I'm married. I've got my ministry to do. I'm, I'm doing good just to make it to the Monday uh, lunches. Uh, if you expect me to do more, I need to, I need to bow out because if I'm not going to be a good member, I need to bow out. And as I was walking back, I realized that that's the way a lot of people in church feel, man. We got, we got Sunday morning, we got Wednesday, we got uh, you know, Bible study, we got this, 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 and everything. And people are like, well, I can't, I can't be a part of all this, so I just need to bow out. Well, um, what we expect here at Catalyst is, is this, is that we want you to commit two time slots here at Catalyst. We want you to commit to Sunday morning. We want you to be here every Sunday morning. That's what we expect. And then we expect you to be part of a community group. It's uh, basically two time slots. Uh, community groups meet on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Thursday nights and everything. And that's pretty much it. The other things um, are, are things we offer, uh, but th that's what we expect of you because we know everybody's busy and basically two time slots is all you can do. And so we try to do our very, very best. We try to do our best work on Sunday morning, try to do our best work in community groups to, to have the maximum amount of, of impact on our people, but that, that's, that's what um, we, we do. And if you wonder what a community group is, you discuss the sermon. There are questions based on the sermon. So you're gonna discuss in your community group what you already know, what you've already heard here. So, so don't worry about walking in and to your community group and everybody else knowing more than you know. That, that, I can guarantee you that's not happening. Um, but you've heard the same message they have, okay? So you can communicate, you have something to offer. So I wanna encourage everyone, if you're not in a community group, to be in one. Because that is, that is where a lot of the work of the church is done. So that's, that's kind of what we're talking about today. But today we're talking about the fear of pain. And like Randy said, the main thing is that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists on being attended to. And you know that's true. You have a pebble in your shoe, you've got a grain of sand in your eye. You can't ignore it. Pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts 
in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. No doubt pain, as God's megaphone, is a terrible instrument. It may lead to the final and unrepented rebellion, but it gives the only opportunity the bad man can have for amendment. It removes the veil. It plants the flag of truth within the fortress of the rebel soul. I love that, and that's very true. And As I got this message together, I realized that today we're talking on about the biggest idol that exists in America today. It's an idol. An idol is, is something that steals worship from God, that gets our attention, our time, our love, our passion. That's what an idol is. Not necessarily a statue. It can be anything. And, and people say, well, the biggest issue facing today is, is, is uh, you know, this, you know uh, extramarital sex. Or, or, or No, 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 it's not. The biggest idol in America today that gets all our attention, we basically pattern our lives around it, is comfort. Think about the things that people will do to be comfortable or won't do to avoid discomfort. And you've got America in 2020. And I, I don't know how we got there. I didn't realize it until we, I started working on this message. But the worldly mindset that we that that our cultural mindset is this that anything that causes discomfort or pain is bad and needs to be avoided at all cost. And this and this companion line is like, and if something causes discomfort or sacrifice or pain, it is not of God. And there or worse, that God hates me or is ignoring me. I don't know how we got there, you guys. I don't know how we in the church got there. Um, be, be, uh, for example, uh, John 16, 33, Jesus says this, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. See, Scripture tells us more that not that pain doesn't exist or discomfort doesn't exist, it's take heart, Jesus has overcome that. Um, in the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the rocky soil, and he says in Matthew 13, 21, that since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Um, in Acts 9, 16, God tells Ananias in reference to the apostle Paul, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And the early church fathers actually rejoiced. They saw it as a badge of courage. In, in, in Acts 5.41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Those statements are all over the Bible. And yet somehow it, the, there's gotten, we've gotten infected with this false idol of comfort being the ultimate goal for us as people. You can't read the Bible and think that that is your ultimate goal, but that is the one that is beneath the surface of almost every decision that we as Americans make. And it's the fear of pain or the fear of discomfort that drives most of the decisions, if not all of the decisions we make. Uh, those statements are all of the Bible. We, we have to realize, though, that pain is an essential part of the Christian life. I don't know if you know that or not. It is. Luke 3, 21 through 22, 
When all of the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. This is Jesus' baptism. It's a mountaintop experience. And many people in the church and many Christians think that the mountaintop experience is what we should strive for, is what is, is, is the great thing, the great worship service, the great miracle, the great mission trip, the great big thing that next thing that God's doing, the promotion at work, the, the, the financial blessing, whatever it is, and that's what people chase after. And if those things aren't happening, we think something's wrong. Well, look what happens immediately. This is to Jesus. Look what happens immediately. What happens immediately after this? Life, as you guys know, can quickly turn around. Luke 4, 4, 4 verse 1, just a couple verses later, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. At the end of them, he was hungry. Um, to suggest a fast to Americans is to, whoa, you mean go without food? Like, like actually be hungry? I mean, to, to, to suggest to a church full of people that, hey, we should maybe do a fast together two or three or four days. I mean, people would, would, would leave to suggest that. You mean experience the discomfort of that? I mean, to, I don't know if you've ever fasted before, but it's not pleasant. Jesus fasted for 40 days. You think he suffered? Absolutely suffered. He was tempted by Satan. He was questioned as the very core of his identity. He went to the desert, it says. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, after the suffering, after the questioning, the Bible describes Jesus like this quite differently. In verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. As I read that, I just asked, why do Christians live such powerless lives? Why are we so powerless to affect change in our workplace, in our schools, in our families, in our lives? Simple, because many times Christians quit in the desert. Listen, many times Christians quit in the desert. They quit before God can, can, can redeem that. Instead of coming out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit, they just quit. They quit on God. The pain of temptation, the pain of suffering, the questioning is too much, and they quit. They quit on God. They quit, in the church, quit on the church. I read an interesting uh, uh, quote from Andy Stanley's new book, Irresistible. It sounds fantastic, but this is an excerpt from it. talking about us in 2020, particularly our younger generations. For post-Christians, that means people who may have had a faith at one time but have walked away, science, philosophy, and reason are the go-tos for worldviews and decision-making. Post-Christians, especially post-Christian millennials, have low to no tolerance for faith-based answers to fact-based questions. But get this, at the same time, um, like most of us, they aren't exactly on the truth quest either. They're on a happiness quest. Many walked away from faith because faith didn't make them happy. That's never presenting reason. Nobody wants to appear that shallow, but scratch beneath the surface and you'll find the quest for happiness plays a big role. When faith becomes an impediment to happiness, goodbye faith. And that, my friends, is very true. 
Every time I, I, I have a discussion with somebody that is like that, I always throw up, you know, evolution, creationism, you know, uh, the church is hypocritical. But you scratch beneath that surface, basically, most of the time, people just want to do what they want to do. And faith, sometimes. No, they face, see faith as an impediment to that. It's just crazy to me to think about that because in this quest for happiness, how are we doing? How are we doing? We become the most miserable people on the planet. Research shows this. Rates of major depression have risen in America 33% since 2013. A study by Blue Cross and Blue Shield found. They did this because they were wondering why they're having to spend so much on insurance for, for anxiety and depression medication. So they did a study. saw a 33% rise. And most of, the ri- most of the rates rise are among teens and young adults, millennials and G- Gen Z. This walking away from God in search of happiness doesn't sound like it's working, people. It really doesn't. That story isn't anything new, though. Walking away from God and, and, and search for happiness, there's a very famous story in the Bible. A, a guy known as the prodigal son did the same thing 2,000 years ago. Apparently, that's been mankind's story from the beginning. But uh, if you guys know anything about the prodigal son story there's a guy who grows up in this great prosperous household his dad is good he's got he's got a great job he's got plenty of food he's got everything he needs and things are great but he decides that's just not man that's just not for me and so he goes to his father and says hey give me give me my inheritance now man give me my inheritance now and he takes off for what he thinks greener pastures and he squanders all his wealth and wild living the bible says once it's all gone a famine hits, and, he, and, and he's starving, and his clothes are falling off, and all the friends he thought he had when he had money, all of a sudden, they're nowhere to be found. Not too ancient a story, is it? Anyway, he goes and starts feeding pigs. Anyone ever fed a pig? Anyone ever been? There's a reason why it's called Double Stink Hog Farm out there. They're disgusting. It's, they smell bad, it, it, it's awful, and, he, and the, basically he's feeding table scraps to the pigs, and, he, and the Bible says the pigs were eating better than he was, and he's starving, and he's hurting, and he feels pain. And he realizes, he realizes a few things. The Bible says in verse 17, Luke 15, 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. See, guys, pain is God's megaphone. I found the two things about pain. And we need to have a good theology about pain and suffering and discomfort. The first thing is this, is that God's love is seen more perfectly through pain. We don't need to fear pain because it's through pain that we see God's love more clearly. Just as the prodigal son didn't realize how good his father was until he left and saw what was out there. Many times we're the same way. I remember the first time I truly appreciated the house I live in. I had gone to work and come back to my house a thousand times, tons of times. But it wasn't until November of 2005, I went down to Pascagoula, Mississippi. Hurricane Katrina had hit in August, and, 
And I was planning a youth mission trip, and I went there to do a scout, to scout out the accommodations and the work we're going to be doing, meet the people we're going to be working with. And I'd seen images on TV, you guys. I'd seen them. You had too, probably, if you were alive back then. But nothing prepared me for what I saw. Devastation and destruction for 76,000 square miles. Miles of ruined homes, shells of home missing their front, missing their first story. Um, uh, debris and garbage piled up. You know, furniture broken, destroyed by floodwaters. Um, FEMA trailers housing, you know, little, little FEMA trailers, probably not much bigger than that drum cage right there, housing six and seven people. It looked like something you see in a, in a, in a third world country. Well, it was. it was. It was a federal disaster area. Meeting the people who had lost everything. And I'm talking everything. When I got back home and saw my house, I didn't just walk in. I knelt down and I kissed the ground because I was so grateful. I didn't realize what I had until that moment. And by walking away from his father and experiencing the other side, the prodigal son found out how great his father's love really was. He saw how great his father's house really was. He saw how much better his father's ways were. He lived, he'd lived there his entire life and didn't realize it. And, uh, uh, and, and only when he wandered away did he find out how pure and awesome his father's love really was. And that's the story of a lot of us in here today, isn't it? If we get real with ourselves, how many of us, that's our story, many of us in here, Many of us, not all, but many of us grew up in Christian homes, grew up going to church, grew up surrounded by faith, maybe. Then as you got a bit older, you walked away. Some of you ran away. Life kicked you around a little bit, didn't it? Some of you got addicted to substances. Some dated or married the wrong person, and you got hurt, maybe badly. Some of you chased the fake rabbit of success or money or pleasure. You wound up right where the prodigal son wound up. Broke. Broke financially, maybe. Definitely broke emotionally, physically, maybe. Starving, either physically, definitely spiritually or relationally. And you realized one thing, just how good God really is. How many of you guys can say that this morning? You've seen the other side. You don't want anything to do with it because you've seen how good God's love really is. Sound familiar? You just wanted to go home. It wasn't just God's love that brought you back. It was the pain you experienced that brought you back. Amen? Amen? It took the pain to realize how good God is. And when we're, we're told a million times as kids, we're told a million times uh, what was right. We're told that God was good. We're told a million times that God loves us. But some of us, if not all of us, don't really get it until we really experience true pain. And it's through that true pain that we actually see how great God is. I'm a testimony to that. I've seen the other side away from God, and I want nothing to do with it. God's love is seen perfectly through pain. The second thing is that, God's, that pain is what makes us want to go 
home. Like the prodigal son, all he wanted to do was go home. And it's that pain that made us want to do that. Just, uh, uh, he was worried. You can tell he was worried because he composed his speech on the way back. Listen, if you blow all of the old man's money and you go back home in rags, you better have the speech prepared, right? And that's what he's thinking. I mean, he's, you can tell he's going through it the whole time. He's already planned it out, Scripture says. And what did he find? He found out something pretty radical, you guys. Something that I found, too, is that on the other side of pain, there is joy. That's what the church needs to understand, that any pain we experience in this life is temporary. Any discomfort, whether we cause it by our actions or it just happens, it's only temporary. And on the other side of that pain, there is so much joy. There's joy, joy, everlasting joy joy. When you allow Jesus Christ into your life, you allow him to forgive your sins and you allow him to consume you, to enter into you. And he, he, you surrender his life, your life to him and he fills you with his spirit. There is so much joy. In fact, if I didn't believe there's so much joy in being a Christian, I would not want you to become one today. I would not be standing here speaking to you. I wouldn't be in ministry. I wouldn't. If I didn't believe that people are far better off in a relationship with Jesus Christ, surrendered to Jesus, experiencing the joy and the ecstasy of his presence in our lives, I'd be doing something different with my life, and so would every person on staff here. There is joy, so much joy in following the plan that God has for your, your life. Don't fear the pain or the discomfort that might happen, because on the other side, there is joy everlasting being over in India with my son a couple months ago, watching our new school and our orphanage open, seeing the kids with a home when previously they didn't have one, seeing all the investment of seven years of trips and discouragement and language barriers and risk. So I was sitting there watching the dedication. One thought went through my mind, you guys. It was all worth it. The thousands of dollars that our trips took, I refereed high school soccer to pay for it. Rachel picked up extra hours at the place she worked. We sacrificed the 40-hour plane rides the heat and the humidity, the everything that was uncomfortable and potentially painful could potentially go wrong. All worth it because on the other side of that potential pain and discomfort was joy. But guys, you don't have to go overseas to see this. For some of you, the, the, y'all, if you've been here, you know that this year's theme is the adventure. For some of you, the adventure is right here. For some of you, the adventure is in your own home. For some of you, the adventure this year is getting out of debt. You know God wants you to be debt-free. He wants you to be debt-free almost as much as your pastor wants you to be debt-free. Almost. You, You know that God wants you to be financially responsible. 
He know, you know that he wants all of the chaos and the stress of financial uh, uh, problems gone from your house so you can be joyful and you can have peace. You know that, but the fear of the pain and the discomfort of having to get financially disciplined is too much for you, and you're going to stay where you are. I'm asking you, don't fear the pain or the discomfort of discipline financial discipline because on the other side of that financial discipline is a debt-free scream and the joy of of being debt-free for some of you married couples maybe God wants you to have children and you know it but it's the fear of the pain maybe fear of the discomfort fear of the disruption of your life that you're afraid of and and that's what's keeping you back For some of you, you need to put down the substance. You need to clear your pantry of alcohol. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop using. Some of you need professional help, and it's there for you. But the fear of withdrawal symptoms, the fear of being out of the habit, the discomfort that you might feel is stopping you from getting off of that substance and you're going to continue to allow it to dictate and dominate your life. For some of you, it might be a job change. You know that you aren't doing what you were put to do on this earth. You know it. You know that you have talents and abilities and a calling on your life, but you're not doing it right now because even though the job you have, you don't like it, it's paying the bills and it's comfortable. And so you're going to continue in this, going to this job that you hate where you're doing nothing that God wants you to do and you're not accomplishing kingdom work. You're going to stay there, not because you don't see, you don't have a dream, but because you're afraid of the discomfort and the pain that change might bring. So you stay there whittling your life away in, 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 in nothingness and in meaninglessness. I can stand here and testify that every time I've overcome my fear, of pain or discomfort and set off to do the thing that God has called me to do, there has been amazing joy, amazing joy, the joy of mission work, the joy of planting this church, of leaving security and a paycheck and setting off to, to, to plant a church, the joy of being debt-free, the joy of having children, what a blessing they are, the joy of leaving security and comfort and launching off into that great unknown with God as your companion. That's real joy. That's real life. But in order to experience the joy, you have to be willing to experience the temporary pain and discomfort that might happen. And for a lot of people, most people fear the pain more than they want the joy. So they stay stagnant, whiling away the years and triviality, meaninglessness. Ralph Waldo Emerson noticed this way back in the 1800s. He observed that most men lead lives of quiet desperation. They aren't living powerfully. They aren't living joyfully, just basically existing. And that's true for far too many of us. I want you to do something for me tomorrow. On your way to work tomorrow, those of you that aren't retired <clears throat> and don't have to do this, God bless you. I want you to look at the people in the cars around you as you're inching 
along. Why are you inching along? Because somebody in front of you is driving 15 miles under the speed limit, texting and drinking coffee and not paying attention. <clears throat> but that aside, because you're driving so slowly, you'll have plenty of time to look at the people around you. I want you to ask yourself, do they look thrilled? Do they look joyful? Do, do they look like they're going to do something great that day? Is doing something great, something meaningful, something purposeful on their agenda that day at their place of employment? Or, more likely, do they look like they're going to jobs they hate, to work with people they don't like, living lives they don't like, year after year after year, all the while the Spirit of God is calling us, overcome the fear of pain, of discomfort, and Follow me into the adventure. And these people will do this not because they don't have talent or ability or dreams, because they don't have the courage to say yes to God. After going to the desert, after suffering and questioning, the scriptures say, like I said in, in Luke 4, 14, that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. On the other side of suffering, other side of pain, there is also not only joy, there is a power that God gives to enable you to live the calling. So as the band comes back up, I want to ask one question today for you. I want to let this settle over us today. What are you afraid of? Are you brave enough to tackle this idol known as comfort, ease, leisure? Are you powerful enough? Are you courageous enough? Are you brave enough to tackle that idol and destroy it in your life and say, that is not my goal? A life of comfort, a life of ease, a life of leisure is not my goal. Fulfilling the purposes of God in my life is my goal. We in the church need to have a healthy and correct view of pain and discomfort. God uses pain and discomfort to call us back to him. Always has and always will. We also shouldn't fear it. On the other side of pain and discomfort, there's joy everlasting. And fear of pain is what keeps us paralyzed keeps us living lives of quiet desperation when real life, true life, is what God intends for us. Today, as your pastor, I'm asking you one thing. Surrender your life to Jesus. And most of the time when people hear that, they think, oh, that means I need to pray a prayer and be baptized. I've already done that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. For some of you, that's what you need to do. And God bless you. I hope that anyone who has not been baptized, anyone who's never surrendered their life to Christ, I pray that you'll do it today. We will, we will baptize you in a heartbeat. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people maybe who've been walking with Christ for a while to surrender their lives to Christ, to be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit that powers us past the fear of pain and the desire for ease. I'm asking you to do that. Allow him to invade your life, to cleanse you not only of your sins, but of the fears that keep you from being who you were designed to be. Remember, people, you are a child of God. You are made in God's image. And I say as a church, we need to live like we believe that. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Just remember 
You were called to greatness in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. Don't sell yourself short and live in fear and quiet desperation. Go where the Holy Spirit leads you.